be any comfort today. The afternoon was overcast, so my living room was dark. I didn't switch on any lights. The gloom suited my mood, and the wine suited my gloom. I thought I would drink a glass, brood, and maybe cry a little. But my dark side drew me into my bedroom to the waiting mirror. I sat on the stool before my so aptly named vanity. There, I did switch on the lights. I took a second swallow of wine and then gave myself up to the mirror. It was the same face. Sometimes I didn't even feel I owned it. It had been grafted onto me. I lived behind it, and it earned my living. I took care of it. It took care of me. My agent had just told me that it wasn't going to take care of me anymore. People were tired of it. There were newer, fresher faces. But the face was still beautiful. I touched it with respect. Straight nose, high, broad cheekbones, blue eyes, beautiful skin, carefully drawn lips, neat chin, blonde hair to frame the whole assemblage. And people were tired of this? Yes, according to my agent. I swan in Jean. Some people sure are finicky, I told my mirror. Then I turned away from it and buried my face in my hands. At twenty-seven, I was overexposed and going down the other side of the hill. And I was lucky I'd lasted the years I had, my agent had told me today, shaking an elegant copper fingernail under my nose for emphasis. If you didn't have some brains, you wouldn't have lasted this long. Quit while you're ahead. I'm your friend. Right, sure, uh uh-huh, I muttered through my fingers now. Otherwise, I'd let you drag on and on and get every little cent I could. I'm doing you a favor, Nikki. I swung back around and stared into that mirror for five minutes. And I made myself admit she had been my friend and had done me a favor. I was sick of my own vanity and how easily it could be wounded. It was what came of living off my face. You have other irons in the fire, Nikki, my agent's voice retold me in my head. You're burned out on this business yourself. I know, I can tell, the camera can tell, and you can't tell me you love the camera like you used to. Before I turned from that mirror, I made myself admit that everything she had said was true. So that was that. I switched on a lamp in the living room and put on my reading glasses. I turned to my solace in times of great trouble, Jane Austen. I could open any chapter of any book of Jane's and immediately feel more peaceful. Tonight, Jane worked almost as well as she usually did, but I had to put a box of tissues on the table beside the lamp. I caught myself wandering, thinking bitterly that at least the woman on the sidewalk had no more woes, and I slapped my cheek in rebuke. Melodramatic. Foolish. I buried myself in the trebles of Miss Eleanor Dashwood, until I felt able to sleep. By next morning, my common sense had raised its head. I woke up with a mild hangover from crying, set the coffee pot to perking, and did my exercises while I waited for it to finish. Since I was no longer a model, I treated myself to butter on my toast.
I riffled idly through the morning paper to find a mention of the woman on the sidewalk and found she had rated one brief paragraph. I wasn't surprised. Since I'd had more unbooked days in the past year than I'd cared to notice, I was accustomed to free time. But now that I knew that part of my life was over, I felt jangly at loose ends. The once weekly cleaning woman had done her job while I was gone the day before, so I hadn't even straightening up to do. I scanned the titles in my bookshelves, trying to find something worth rereading. I had to save Jane for crises. Nothing seemed to strike a chord. It occurred to me that I could try reworking one of my own novels again, but I felt too drained to be creative in a major way. My eyes roamed around the room for something that looked fruitful. The only item that held instant appeal was the blank notepad I kept by the telephone. I love.